You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hog of Liberty podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Morrill, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Dakota Davis. Hey, what's going on, Jer? Hey, buddy. We're back at it again. We are back for uh, the 52nd week in a row. Uh, 50, episode 52. It's unreal. That is just crazy. That's like a yeah. year's worth of episodes. Yeah, one a week. it really is insane. Uh, this show is about our lives in rural Indiana. It's a show about folks who are involved in politics. We promise that our episodes are going to be a fun and an easy listen. We interview people who are influencers, elected officials, political experts, and people that we just find interesting. Ooh. Today, in the uh, the third co-host seat, we have an emergency backup replacement co-host, Mr. Chase Payton. What up? I'm here. You literally are here on, this is probably the second shortest amount of notice we've ever given a co-host. Danny Morrill showed up and climbed a fence to get on the show. I remember that. That was uh, a good episode. Ago. I think that was the very first one. But uh, this is uh, this is impressive. Our our advertised co-host Cade Coger uh, is down with an injury uh, we're going to violate some HIPAA laws but apparently his 10 year old 10 month old 10 month old not yeah. his 10 year old 10 month old opened up a can of whoop ass on him with a jiu-jitsu move <laughs> and sliced his eye and he is uh, he's he, hopefully he's seeking medical attention yeah. well he just commented on the live stream so hopefully he's in the waiting room of a, of a doctor's office at least he can see that we're on here now yeah all right so in the uh, in the hot seat, is it the hot seat, Ed? No, nah, it's pretty comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> we have Ed Tarantino. Ed is uh, is here continuing our candidate series. Ed is running for county commissioner here in Henry County. Uh, you are this is the first time you're running for office, right? Yes, it is. And that is a Dunreath accent I'm detecting from you. Dun- born and bred in Dunreath, Indiana, I'm sure. Western Dunreath. Western yeah, I was, Dunreath. I was uh, raised in Dunreath, Indiana. So we already, I already have something in common. That's wonderful. Yeah. No. So you, so you are an import. You've been here longer than probably Dakota and I have been alive combined together. But you've you've held on to the accent a little bit. You're from New Jersey originally. New Jersey. New Jersey. The Garden State. The Garden State. There's one garden there. <laughs> <laughs> used to be used to be home to the the New Jersey Nets. Yes. It is home to the New York Jets and Giants. And, and the Jersey Giants at one time. Yeah. The Jersey Giants. I didn't know that. That hmm. They're gone. It's, <laughs> also, it's also home to Jersey Shore. Uh, yes. Chase, Chase would know that one, of course. The Jersey Giants sound a lot more interesting than that. <laughs> so it has been an interesting week around here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to interview Ed and talk with him a little bit, but we're going to kind of cover the local news. Uh, Dakota, we... Uh, we noticed over the weekend that, uh, well, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, yes. there was a big article in our local paper, the Courier Times, who has famously covered us. We were, a, we were a front page story one time in the Courier Times. Or, they profiled yeah. the podcast. It's right behind Ed. Uh, so April 1st, they ran a story, thought it was an April Fool's joke, about a wild turkey that's been running the streets of Newcastle. 
and uh, it's been tormenting cars and getting in the way. <laughs> but, so this turkey, this turkey, it's literally just a wild turkey. Like, looks like you should see it in the woods. And it has been crossing the street between... So in Newcastle, Indiana, there's a cemetery on the east and west side of the main highway that runs uh, north and south through it. And he's been crossing the highway from cemetery to cemetery. And there, like you said, there was the article written there, by Travis uh, Wyke. Yep, and then it made uh, it made news that that article led to at least two, maybe three, network stations out of Indianapolis coming to Newcastle <laughs> and running stories. So then all of your out of town friends go, "What in the world is going on in your town?" Yep. And then by Sunday, the turkey had become self aware, found yep. an iPhone, and started a Facebook page. He's a self aware turkey, like a. Kind of like if you we have any Rick and Morty fans that watch this, like whenever the dog became self aware in the in the show, but hopefully he's not going to try to take over the town. His uh, his Facebook page, he is a little bit sassy though. Yeah, he's uh, he t- likes to talk in caps locks and, and is very aggressive <laughs> against people. And I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous. He has way too many page likes. Oh my oh, gosh, he's got more got, than Boss Hog. Yeah, in, in, since I, Sunday, this thing's got over 800 page likes. I think we might have to take him out. So when this when this all started, of course, we are front-running fools at Boss Hog Liberty. So we said, we are going to capitalize off this thing. We created a poll. And we said, all right, this, this turkey, p- people were freaking out on Sunday. And it was either this thing is a treasure for the city and it's got to be kept. Or it's a it's going to get somebody killed. It's in the road and it needs to be run over. So we said, is this our mascot or is it is it something that needs to be shot? So Chase, what were the results of our poll? All right. 355 people voted on this. 355 yeah. people took time out of their busy schedules to vote in an internet poll about the future of a about wild turkey. A turkey, yes. <laughs> and uh, our mascot won by 72%. 72% of the people want to keep uh, this thing. 28% wanted to eliminate it. Yeah, yeah. The, we put the we put a, a gif of little Sebastian from Parks and Recreation as the as the mascot option. I think that's why it might have won cuz if I see something of little Sebastian, I'm just going to automatically poke on it. Yeah, absolutely. everybody loves little yeah. Sebastian. Ed, do you have a turkey position, an official turkey position? This is the first tough kid, a tough question of the Boss Hog Liberty <laughs> podcast. I I like the turkey. Huh? I I saw it in the paper. I think he has a great future. <laughs> well, th- th- this turkey has been like it's had once again this morning my the Smiley Morning Show and, some crap radio out of Indianapolis, but whatever. It's not. It's not MS. Or, I used to or, love or, that. Or Q95. In high okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, they I, I they, they ran a story. They had John John A from Newcastle, and then my sister called in to the show. She was on Smiley this morning. She, Did she really? Hannah called in. Yeah, that's awesome. And she she promoted the thing or whatever. Saying, hey, you got to check out this Facebook page. She said it has three hundred likes. What's that? Like eight hundred likes now. Yep. Um, but there's been a scare the last two days. There's been a scare. Did the turkey get hit at the end of the day? Uh, people <laughs> thought it was dead. Uh, and then today you open up the paper and it is. It's yeah. the front page newspaper. It's the again. front page newspaper, and they promoted the Facebook page. Like somehow they were able to contact whoever it is that <laughs> runs the the turkey's Facebook page and have them uh, have them sit down with an, for an interview as the turkey. And uh, it was it was genius. It was, so uh, it was, I was so laughing we should get him so on hard. The show? Well, if we yes, we're we, trying. We yeah. we we thought we might have a chance to get it to Skype in, mm-hmm. but the we we couldn't get our phone board working. So maybe if the turkey's not dead by next week, maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll try to get it on when uh, when we have our show with Ken and Gray. Um, I, we'll see. <laughs> Poor guy's running against maybe me, and we're gonna make him talk in. to a turkey on the radio. <laughs> maybe you can just call in. 
So, uh, yeah, so that's there. And the mayor granted a full pardon. Did you read that in the paper today? No. The, the mayor says the turkey's fine. It, he answered to the poll. He listened to the will of the people. No word on whether or not the Newcastle uh, high school team is going to change from the Trojans to the turkeys. That uh, We'll just have to see what happens when we get to the football season later this summer. Yeah. Not too far out of town. There's probably 15 turkeys in a lady's yard that I know. In she, her yard? In her yard, and she's only about two or three miles out of town. Well, I know they use... could be one of her lost turkeys. It could be. I know they use chicken manure to fertilize grass sometimes, so maybe maybe it's really good for a yard. I know where I'm going hunting now. (laughs) Well, it said in the paper, you can't hunt on public ground, but you could on private. So if you go over there, you know, if you get permission from the folks at the uh, cafe where you had one of your events... Cafe Royal? Yeah, if you go over to Cafe Royal and they they give you permission to hunt, the, the paper in the article said, the paper article today said... Bow and arrows, okay. You can't okay. use you can't use a firearm, but bow and arrows just what about fine. A, what about a hatchet? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think a hatchet would work. Maybe throwing stars would be better. Oh, that'd be cool if he could if he could hunt with throwing stars. I wonder if that's legal. Now all the little children love this turkey by now. <laughs> can't hatchet the turkey. Yeah, right. yeah. Ed can't says you can't, it. and you're going against the mayor. You got a county commissioner candidate <laughs> and the mayor that are against you, Chase. It's not looking good. Yes, they voted. They voted to keep the turkey around. Okay. I'll... I'll give it one more week. One more week. We'll one see. Week. We'll All see right. if he's still around. So then, uh, I've gone to a couple of events uh, this last couple weeks uh, or this, this week. Monday night, you had a big event, Ed, uh, up at the thousand degree. Is, I get this name right. Thousand degree brick oven wood fired pizza in Mount Summit, Indiana. Is that right? Great place. Great pizza. Yeah. I love that place. So they had you had a they've got a big party room and you had it filled up. You had pizza coming out your ears. You had cookies. You had a huge crowd. What uh, what was that event about? It was just to meet people, just to say hi, try give out my buttons, my pamphlets, and it went very well. A lot of people came, even some people that I didn't know. So, well, that's good. I, that's I, I knew I knew a lot of them, but uh, there were some new people. What's uh, what's your favorite kind of pizza? I just get a plain pizza or mushrooms on it. Mushrooms. I like mushrooms. On now my, my wife puts everything on hers. So, yeah. So if we're sharing, I usually get everything. I was gonna say you get whatever <laughs> she's eating, right? But otherwise, I just like pretty much plain pizza. Yeah, I usually get everything. I like a slice of pizza to weigh about five pounds by the time it's done. Well, it was everything on it. It was a cool event. I, I popped in for a minute because I edited messaged me and said, "Hey, can we have a cup of coffee or something?" And I was. I hadn't had a chance to catch up with you, so I said, I'm going to try to get to his event. So I, I stopped in on Monday, and uh, you were there. I, Betsy Mills, our guest from last week, she had made an appearance. You know you're doing well when other candidates crash your event. You're doing good. <laughs> that was unexpected. And then uh, you had um, Jonathan Lamb, the candidate for Congress. He stopped in. Peg Steffendell. Peg was, Peg was there. I didn't get a chance to meet Peg. She's scheduled to be on the show here in a few weeks, so uh, we'll get a chance to talk to her then. But uh, it was a great event. You did good. Yeah, I liked it. Did you raise some money? Shake some, shake some people down for cash too. We got a little bit of money, but yeah. it's not about money. We have, I think, we have enough money. We ran a pretty uh, low budget campaign, but I have fourteen campaign managers. So <laughs> fourteen campaign managers. You're not one of them, are you? No. <laughs> That's yeah. We're That's a little, how it goes. Little disjointed, but it works out. It's working. And then uh, let's see. I also another one of our guests that we've had on. I got to uh, to hang out with uh, Lane Seekman. Yeah, Lane De- Seekman, Democrat running for Congress. I saw him this week on Tuesday. He came through Newcastle Tuesday morning. He had a meet and greet with at Jack's Donuts. 
and uh, he said he'll buy your coffee. And I'm like, well, if I get a Democrat to buy hey, a cup of coffee for me, I'm going to do that. That's been the first time they put their hands <laughs> in their pockets in a long time. That's so hilarious. I yeah, got my... uh, I got Lane. He gave me ten dollars. Got and I bought my coffee and I gave him the change nice. back. It was I, solid. I saw my grandma Tuesday morning, and she said, "I'm pretty sure that I just saw Jeremiah at Jack's Donuts." And I was like, "Pretty sure?" Or you're sure? And she goes, "I've only met him twice, so I'm not a hundred percent." I'm pretty certain. recognizable. <laughs> I mean, you are famous. Uh, well, local, locally famous, yeah, local celebrity. So uh, yeah, it was uh, Lane was there. Uh, he had, he got Darren Jacobs, the 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 incredible. There's nothing left of Darren Jacobs, by the way. He has slimmed down. I don't know if it's because we've ruined his reputation and he had to <laughs> he had to change his his, uh, his appearance or what. We keep but Darren him, is there's nothing left to him anymore. We keep calling Darren the token socialist, so he's following the socialist diet. Where that might be what's happening. He's not eating in the bread lines. Yep. So uh, Darren was there. The mayor showed up. Uh, I got to meet Bev Matthews from the Community Foundation. Uh, I met the the Democrat chair, your your counterpart. The Democrat chairwoman mm. was there. Alan Bramlett, the former Democrat chair, was there. Um, so yeah, Dale Cole, the legendary Dale oh, Cole. The he legendary made an appearance. Dale Cole. I, when Dale got there, I had to go because it was time to go to work, and I wanted to give him a chair. So, yeah. um, but it was fun. It was it was neat. You got, you got to hang out with all those guys. They didn't awesome. run me out. So as a libertarian, it's cool. We get to talk to with the Republicans and the Democrats and the Libertarians and the Independents and. They ne- nobody really knows what to do with us, so they just kind of con- you know have conversations, and generally they don't hate us. So, so we out. we got a few more uh, Patreon subscribers this month. Man, uh, we've got we picked up yep. a few. Yeah, we did, we did. Uh, I'm gonna run through the list here really quick. Uh, so up at the top, man, the people that are just giving us the bacon here: uh, Christy Avery and Brantley Spicer. Both of you guys, the super fans. Uh, I think Brantley has claimed this. The title of super duper boss home liberty fan, and then uh, we well have, he's always in first so yeah, and we have uh, Mary Hershey and uh, Rebecca Baker, Sarah Potter, Kirsten Kronk, uh, she's new. Kirsten's new. Kirsten's this, new. She signed up yeah, today. Today, Chad Malicote, Nancy Nancy Dietz Dietz. I, I did not want to butcher the last name, and then we have Jamie Owens, Craig DaCosta. Your parents, Joyce and Paul Morrill, my parents still haven't signed still up. Still waiting on Jeff and, Jeff and Don Davis yeah, to do I don't the right know what, thing. What's going on with that? Then we have Zachary Bertram, my neighbor, and Corey Murphy, and Aaron Ewart. Man, thank you guys very much. That's yeah, incredible. It's awesome. It's really humbling. We've, we set a goal of uh, $500 a month, and we are just about at the halfway point on that. It's unreal. Yep. So have, at, uh, at that point, we're going to have, uh, we've already purchased our first thing, the uh, the Shure device to uh, to be able to per- to do our phone calls and to be to take remote callers. We've got that in place. Uh, hopefully have it, we'll have it configured within a week. Dakota's holding up a poster. What's yep. the story on the poster? So I said that I said last week that we didn't have the poster in yet that because I didn't expect anybody to be pledging in the in the twenty five dollar and the fifty dollar reward section. So I I didn't have one designed yet because I thought I had plenty of time. Well, it turns out I was very wrong, and just in a couple of days, people had already subscribed to those. So we have a we have a poster printed out, and it uh, it looks like a newspaper. Um, it's got uh, pictures of all of our different logos. Says it's the greatest podcast ever produced, and East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. Uh, it talks a little bit about tinfoil time and our logos, and uh, we're going to be sending those out by the uh, the end of the weekend. Very cool. So if people are uh, people are interested in joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash liberty to uh, to sign up and join. Um, and then, the uh, you, of course, you do get the premium content. You get uh, tinfoil time and then some additional bonus audio. And I, I hear that there's going to be a, a special bonus edition uh, avail- or a special bonus poster if you sign up yeah. at the Libertarian Convention. So if you come to the Libertarian right. Convention in May, 
uh, there's a there's a pretty good chance you're going to get uh, get to uh, get a poster down there signing up at any level. So enough about that. Patreon.com slash Boss Hog Liberty. We should probably talk to Ed. We had him drive we all should. the way in here. <laughs> we've, uh, we've we've been bantering back and forth. Hopefully we've put him at ease. I'm, you're, I'm ready. You're good to go. There we go. <laughs> good to go. So let's uh, let's learn about you a little bit. We we know that you're from New Jersey. And uh, like Betsy last week, you appear to be ridiculously well-educated. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you went to Montclair State College in New Jersey, and you studied health and physical education. So you were, you were a gym teacher? Yes. Amongst many things. You've had like 400 careers. <laughs> I like it that way. <laughs> I try to learn something, everything I did, and I do get bored easy, so I change a lot. There you go. So Dif- I have Different your- opportunities came along, and I took them. There's nothing wrong with that. So you're also the second uh, the second Ball State graduate in a row we've had on. We've right. had a lot of Ball State people because you've got a master's degree in physical education for Ball State. Yes, because when I started teaching in Indiana, they required it. Really? <laughs> so, they don't anymore now, but you had to have a master's degree right. to teach. And I was teaching in Cambridge City at the time, living here in Henry County. You taught at Lincoln then? Taught at Lincoln and drove there, coached all year long because I coached football, wrestling, and track. And I had to get that master's at night after coaching. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, you were a, you were a busy man. Whenever you had to go through that, get that master's degree. All right, let's talk about football for a minute. Sure. Were you uh, what kind of record did you have as a football? You were you a assistant coach, head coach, at Lincoln. What's the story? I was assistant coach. Assistant coach. Yes. You do have a little bit of a Ted Marchabroda vibe to you, actually. You look you you and Ted Marchabroda, who was the Colts head coach in the '90s and the '70s, Chase. Uh, you you guys could be doppelgangers. Like, you could be his stunt double. You know that? Everybody no. ever tell you that? No, but I did coach with a pretty interesting guy, Joe Siminski, who's passed away now. But he actually played professional football with Bart Starr. Really? Oh, wow. And he played for the Packers? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was the head coach, and uh, I was one of his assistants. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much did you enjoy making your kids run? In practice, ah, not too much. Not too much. He made them run. Well, only when like they it. were really bad. Yeah, they have to be in shape. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't like that. I always thought that that was kind of pointless. Whenever you had to run for a punishment, it's like if if we lost, why are you going to just make us run? Why aren't we practicing more? Am I am I close? I'm holding well, up a picture of Ted Marshall yeah, Dakota. Some... Is that is that close? I can see it. Yeah. That was very close. Sometimes my coach would make me run even when we won. Somewhat close. Uh, but I was fast. So Ed looks at me and says, you just held up it. a picture of an old man to me. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get run out of my own studio. <laughs> I love Ted Marchabroda. He was the Colts head coach. He was the Ravens head coach. Uh, Dakota's the one athlete in the, in the crowd. He was he was the tight end. I was the tight end. That's correct. <laughs> yep. That's what I was. Really? There's a second thing in common. Dunreath. And then, uh, and then a tight end. Yeah, the Dunry thing is not real at all. It's not. No, you made it up. It's made. I made it up. You're you, fake. Li- you live out by Cadiz, right? No, I live by Sulphur Springs. Sulphur. All right. Well, I did live in Cadiz. That was the first place I lived because my wife's from Cadiz. Okay, I, that was that's what I remembered from Monday. Hmm. So you were you're trying to make us fake news there, Jeremiah, by by making us tell fake stories. Just want to see what I'm rumors we can get started and see where it goes. I've driven through <laughs> Dunreath many times, though. So. Yeah, that's about the extent of what most people do. <laughs> so you were you were a Marine Corps officer from 1973 to 1976. Yes. Is that a... One of the most fun times of my life. It was, it was a fun time? Oh, yeah. That was great. 
Huh. I don't think that I've ever heard anybody say fun with that much enthusiasm talking about the Marines before. Usually they're like, oh, it's tough. We built character. <laughs> it was the most fun I ever had, I think. There we go. <laughs> where uh, where were you stationed? Were you, you stateside or did you go overseas? Uh, I was in Quantico for about nine months because you go three months of OCS and then you go to what they call the basic school. Uh, but you're already a lieutenant then, so mm. that was pretty much a gentleman's course after that. Because you because you already had your degree, you got uh, you got the you didn't have the rough treatment. You were a, you were an officer. Well, after the first three months, right? The first three months they give you the rough treatment, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a you know just at the end of the Vietnam War. So everyone that all the DIs and whatnot. Just came back from Vietnam, so they were well prepared to give you the the full treatment. Yeah, you you came into a very a very battle hardened time. The people the people that were that were bringing you up. And if if you were in reasonable shape, it wasn't so bad. Were you in reasonable shape when you went in, or you were when you went out, got out? <laughs> no, I was in good shape. I just finished wrestling in college, so I was in good shape. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, so the, going in and out. The poor guys that came in a little out of shape, it was very hard for them. They wouldn't be saying it was the most fun. No, they, <laughs> they did not like it. So then you, uh, after 1976, you uh, joined the Army National Guard, stayed in there until 2002, and you're a retired lieutenant colonel. Why did you, why did you decide to make the transfer from uh, the Marine Corps to the Army National Guard? Well, the Marine Corps is a small outfit, really. Mm. And Marine Corps reserves are much smaller, so there wasn't anything really close. Closest place was Indianapolis, oh, yeah. and it was a communications outfit. So I was infantry, so I went in the infantry in the uh, National Guard. All right, well that makes sense. That makes total sense. And then, uh, so you were you were in the uh, active in the military whenever you were you were teaching and coaching and getting your master's degree. Yeah. Right. So you, uh, not only were you coaching all those and attending night classes for your master's degree, but you were also an active uh, member of the military. I like to stay busy. <laughs> I guess so. Gosh. I'm surprised you didn't run for county commissioner in 1978, too, just for, just for the hell of it. Have you <laughs> ever taken a nap? Yeah. No, well, I don't take naps. I fall asleep in the chair now. Quite often, actually. <clears throat> That's a, I, I guess that counts as a nap. But, uh, you so you taught PE uh, at Lincoln from seventy eight to eighty one, um, and coached football, wrestling, girls track. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, he already I said it once. I don't know. I have to repeat. It I know. Well, I just can't get over the fact of how busy he kept himself. Like I feel like I'm really busy right now, and I can't even imagine doing all that stuff. That's I'm just really impressed by that. I guess had kids too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, Dakota. You're really lazy. Am I? Yeah. yeah. Maybe you're right. <laughs> now this is a big undertaking. Here. <laughs> this podcast is no small thing here. <laughs> Building a studio and trying to trying to sound competent on the on the fake internet radio. Yeah. <laughs> trying hosting my, a TV trying show. Trying my artists. Uh, you then you were the the chief of doctrine uh, at the United States Army Physical Fitness School in uh, Fort Benjamin, which is in in Lawrence, Indiana. The people don't know. So the I'm what. What exactly is the chief of doctrine? That was the greatest job I ever had because it was the ultimate job for a gym teacher. 
Really yeah. nice. Do you have a gold plated whistle? I have a brass whistle. A brass whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. But that job just came about by luck, actually. The Secretary of the Army at the time, John Omar, said the Army was out of shape. <laughs> and so he started a physical fitness school, and it happened to be in Indianapolis. And they hired about 18 civilians. Uh, all of them had master's degrees. Five of them had doctorates to write the curriculum. And I went up there for an interview, and I got the job. And what it turned out, we spent a few months developing the course, and it was a train-the-trainer course. What you did was train soldiers to go out and train other soldiers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we went all over the world, all over the United States. The Army is big. had about <laughs> 750,000 at the time. And uh, like I said, it was the ultimate gym teacher job. Yeah, I that sounds to awesome. Travel to Europe seven or eight times, wow. Korea. And all over the United States, so and with great people, it was it was a lot of fun. And you did that for eleven years. Yeah, about eleven and eleven and a half. So yeah, that's really cool. That sounds like an I awesome job. Kept, I would have kept that job, except <laughs> that it was bad timing. Uh, my son was a senior in high school, and he played uh, football and basketball. You know how basketball is in Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a big deal. And I was just building a new house, and I didn't even get to move in it yet when they closed Fort Harrison and we were going to go to Fort Benning, Georgia, which didn't sound too good to me. Yep. So I quit the job. But so after that, you, you opened up your own business and started operating uh, Tarantino signs. Right. So uh, what kind of signs did you make at that, at your shop? All different kinds. It was at the time they still painted quite a few signs. Okay. Uh, I still do that. Today I painted that thousand degree pizza. Yeah. Oh, the, did you really? All the flames and things out there. You have uh, the first time your name was ever uh, I ever heard your name was the uh, piece of that's uh, a mural that was done at the Henry County Saddle Club. There's a horse out there on the I think it's on the restrooms uh, on one one of the sets of restrooms out there. But it's a really neat horse. Right, they painted. get the best muralist to paint on restroom. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's premium stuff. <laughs> and then uh, later on, I think you did some more out at the arts park as well, right? It, didn't you, maybe the... Well, I started a camp for kids, and they've done quite a few. We had that three years. And at the uh, whole wall on 15th Street... On the Hope Building. On the Hope Building. That was two years' work. And then uh, we also did it at the Little League Diamond on the concession stand. I think we have 11 or 12 there, and we're still looking for a place. We're going to do it again this June. Am, am I giving the wrong guy credit for the ones that are on the arts building on uh, over by the arts park? There's like a Robert Indiana painting. Is that, that's not yours? Well, I shared that with uh, uh, Steve Weider. Okay. All okay. Right. So you, did, you get partial credit. We did it together, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a cool one, too. Uh, so, yeah. So all basically any of the murals in the, in the in the city, we're just giving you credit at this point. Yeah. And and <laughs> and you were signed up. I, I I assume you're still planning on doing it. The uh the 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 new veterans museum. Uh, you're going to be putting some murals in downstairs in the basement down there as well. Yeah, if that comes about, <laughs> I did uh, submit a plan for that. Uh, and if they like the plan, then sure I'll do that. So you volunteered. It's a matter. The ball's in their court on that one. 
Right. All right. Very so then cool. uh, that after you did that, you went back into the teaching world at uh, Newcastle Community Schools, or was it Chrysler High School then? Well, I was actually at the Newcastle Alternative School. So, oh, okay. So I had to go back to college at Ball State <laughs> and get uh, certified in special ed. There but you go. The reason I got out of the sign business, my dad was here, and he, he's the actual artist and sign painter, a lot better than I was, but uh, he had dementia. And it's hard to have business when the boss has dementia. So I decided it was better to go back to teach school. And he still hung on for a few years painting because he had all his skills. He just couldn't remember if he—it was hard because uh, he couldn't remember if he got paid for things or not. I'd say, Dad, did you get paid for that? He said, well, I don't know. Yeah, that would be a, so, a rough way to run a business. <laughs> I decided to go back and teach school, and I still helped him part-time. Sam Cross just said in the in the live stream comments that you were a master woodworker. Is that is there truth to that? No, What's the story behind true. that? I, I taught wood shop, but I had no experience in wood shop. <laughs> Hold up your hands. I, I, how many how many digits I, you got? I got all my fingers. <laughs> okay, all get get that and I guess at the alternative school, I'm pretty proud to say that no one was seriously injured in an, in the <laughs> twelve years I taught there. Uh, we had a couple little band-aid accidents, but nothing too bad. Huh. There you go. He was a so he's a master w- woodworker, but uh, you you learned it all on the job. Then is what I'm is what I'm taking on the from job it. training. There we go. So, so your dad your dad was an artist, and uh, he he did the painting. Is Quentin Tarantino any relation to you? The the uh, the movie maker. I call him cousin Quentin, <laughs> but. I don't think he's a relation. Not really related. Actually, I have a family tree that goes back to the 1870s or 80s, and there's about 300 people in it. But it's only one of five brothers, and Quentin's not there. He's not on the list. I'm thinking he might be one of the other four brothers. Yep. Uh, Could be. I, you don't but find yourself wanting to make things real bloody all the time. I don't like the key to Quentin's movies. So. Yeah. He he's made a couple of good ones that I really liked. Like he made a, which I can't even think. Of. I'm drawing. I'm gonna draw a Django, blank on here. Ah, Django Unchained. That was a good that one. That was a good one. Yeah. He made the Kill Bill, Glorious in, Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one too. Everybody good, loves a good Nazi killing movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty violent. He, he is, is. Yeah, a little yeah. rough. I'm a peace loving guy. Well, we're libertarians, so I guess uh, we should say <laughs> we are as well the anti-war party. <laughs> but uh, so. Now you have a whole long list of volunteer work. Um, we're going to publish the show notes for the people that are subscribing on the Patreon account. And there's links to all of the different things. But uh, in 2014, you started the Artistry Annex for the Art Association of Henry County. What's the uh, what's the Artistry Annex do? Well, I actually started it in the old middle school building on 14th Street. And I just wanted a place local artists to sell the things they made. We have, uh, you know, oil painters and watercolor painters and jewelry makers and pottery people. And we had about 20 there, but they had to pay rent, even though the rent was low. Oh, okay. And the building where we are now is part of the Art Association, and it's one of the few art co-ops in the state. Actually, it's the only one I know of where you don't have to pay rent. So we have about 40 members Oh, wow. 40. 
40 members, all different types of art. It's a pretty neat place. Uh, you know, podcasting is an art. Yeah. Maybe we should rent there. Self-invite ourselves. You can come in. <laughs> the problem we have is we're only open on Saturday from yeah. 9 to 3. So, yep. But Christmas time we do pretty well. But art's not a big seller in Newcastle. Mm. But I like people to think of us as a gift place. I'll tell you what. It's come a long way in a short amount of time, though. The Robert Indiana Parkway and, and having that presence there. It's it, I've never been an art an art guy. like that. You wouldn't think that that's what I care. You know, it's not natural for me but i do have an appreciation for it uh and we do have you know having that there having the robert indiana parkway having having his sculptures and and the decorations and the you know i know we've got the the sculptures and the bicycle sculptures and others that are there the the community's gone a long way in in kind of trying to establish that yeah and the good thing about art is whenever it starts to establish itself in a community is it generally that means that things get nicer within said community because, you know, there's art places and art is always a good thing in my head. So I, I think it's a good thing what the, the art association is is doing. So this is all this is all led up to this point of you making the crazy decision about two months ago to put your name on the ballot. Yeah, so we've asked this question to everybody that's been on so far. What in the world were you thinking? Why are you getting in this political game? What's what's the what's motivating you? What's. What, how how did you get off the couch and decide you needed to do this? Well, I retired from teaching about two and a half years ago or so. And you saw how busy I used to be. So I was a little bored. And there are a few issues that I really feel strongly about. And some people asked me if I would consider it. And I thought about it a day. And then I said, this might be just what I need. So there you go. I got into it. That's a good as reason as that I've heard so far. So some of the issues that we've uh, that have kind of been the the key issues in the campaign is you're you're in a you're in a two way race. You're in a uh, you're in the you're Republican. So if somebody wants to vote for you in Henry County, you've got to pull a Republican ballot. And uh, you're in the county commissioner's race. You live in the northern district, uh, but it's the entire county vote. So if you live in right. Newcastle, if you live in in Cambridge, not, well, if you have a Cambridge address, you live yeah, in a lot of people don't understand that. You, that anywhere the whole in the county, county votes for commissioner. You vote for commissioner. Uh, so you you live, but you represent the northern third, or you have to live in the northern third to have that seat. Um, so one of the issues that we've seen, uh, be it, and this isn't new this cycle, but the Henry County Jail has been a been a topic. Uh, you, when I spoke with you on Monday, you said you had had a chance to tour it. So what did you find? What do you think? What's the future of the jail? Well, I toured it last week for the first time, and I was really impressed with the sheriff. I thought. Uh, Rick McCorkle is doing a great job. He's passionate about what he does, and I really like that in people. I like to see people that are passionate about what they do, and he is. So whatever I say about the jail, it's no reflection on him. I think he's a great sheriff. The jail, I think, was abominable, and mainly because of the overcrowding. It was made to hold about 68 to 70-some people. And they have had up to 200. It's not as crowded as that now. But uh, when I was going through, uh, my kids have never been in jail. But I was thinking, boy, oh, boy, if one of my kids did something, I wouldn't want to see him lend up here. Yeah. Uh, it's so crowded. And it, that crowding leads to violence. They have a lot of fights in the jail. Uh, it leads to vandalism. They tear the jail up. 
they don't have enough cameras to watch them all. They can sometimes have four or five people in a very small cell. They have three bunks in the cell, and sometimes they have to pull another mattress in there. It's just almost inhumane. I don't like to see it happen. We got to do something about the jail. Uh, the overcrowding, I think, is the biggest problem. The jail's old, but it's not so old it couldn't be used. If we only had 70 people in there, it would be a reasonable place to hold them. So what we've we've talked about uh, with people as we've, we've had this dialogue over, over the last few months on this show, uh, counties all across our area, because of some changes in state law, have been filling filling the jails up. Delaware County is converting a middle school over to become a new jail. Rush County is taking up bonds, and they're they're building a new jail. Uh, and now on the ballot next month in uh, Hancock County, Greenfield area, they've got a $55 million jail budget or $55 million jail bond on the, on, you know, for the voters to say yes or no to. Uh, anything over $2 million has to go to the voters. Uh, you can't just automatically do it. You have to You have to basically ask for permission because of the property tax caps. You know, we, we're acknowledging that Henry County has a problem uh, with the jail. Do you what do you what are you advocating for at this point? Well, the biggest problem I see is the overcrowding. They have uh, a place right across the street from the jail where they hold the less serious crimes. Ninety percent of the people in jail are there for drugs. Twenty uh, percent of those are dealers. The rest are just people who have a drug problem possession or some sort of a if we could get some drug programs that worked and that's not easy my wife works at the anderson center and she sees the same people over and over again she's been there 20 or 30 years and it's hard to kick drug problems but uh, if we had a different place to house those people that was secure and that actually helped uh, i'd be all for that the overcrowding has has to be dealt with. The, yeah, uh, there's a there's a couple different ideas that we've that we've heard that have come onto the show. People have talked about one of them is the the shell building that the county built. Uh, we've heard ideas of turning that into a jail. Delaware is, County talked about doing yeah. that with theirs. So I, I don't know if I, I don't know if anybody's come on this show and talked about it, but I know it's been talked about. Yeah, in other we've areas. talked about it. We've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. It uh, we have a shell building. It's fifty thousand right. four hundred square feet. Surely that can hold more than the little place that we have downtown. Is that feasible? I don't. I don't understand. I haven't looked at the shell building. Butch was on a few weeks ago, and he mentioned that at one time they talked about making a juvenile detention center mm-hmm. into the jail, and they could have done it for about five million dollars. Yeah, I don't know what you know stopped them from doing that, but I think I might have been for that deal. <laughs> yeah, because a new jail is. Going to cost twenty, thirty million dollars at least. I think the price tag in Rush County is in the thirty range, and you, you know, if we said it's going to be fifty-five in oh, in Hancock. If we could have acted a few years ago and got it for five million, that would have been a good deal. <laughs> it would have been a great uh, deal. Uh, I don't know what, why they didn't do that, but now so, the building's being rented out, leased out. I think for at least three years. Yep, and so I. I guess we can't use that for three years. <laughs> yeah, there's a the shell building is interesting because uh, I don't I don't see it really working for for 
for the five million dollars that we could have had the youth detention center for. And frankly, I don't I don't see it being that much cheaper than uh, in the long run than uh, a place like building a new facility, the thirty million dollars, because of everything that would have to go go into it. Right. It's, it's probably not very practical. Right. Yeah. That, that shell building is is a magnet. It's it's right now. It's used to, for marketing, and you know the the Economic Development Corporation shows that as a shovel ready site, and it can be yep. expanded. Um, I'm not sure that I would. Well, first of all, I'm not sure I would have built the shell building to start with, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure that I would I would advocate for putting the jail there. Yeah. You don't especially. Have, it kind of leads into the next part of the conversation we're going to have. You don't have a whole lot of industrial site space right. left, so there's there's talk of the commissioners putting this 130-acre site or 140-acre site off 300 south, uh, letting it go light industrial. I'm not sure you know, I'm not sure that converting this over to, to jail use when you're potentially taking rural <laughs> residential or farm ground and turning it into light industrial is the, the path we want to go. But They approved that last night. They did yeah. do that. Okay. Hmm. So, so where, where, where were you on that conversation? Were you... I think they should have took a little more time because I'm sure there are other places they could have explored they looked at that one because a couple local entrepreneurs bought the land and tried to get it rezoned for that. Uh, I think there were a lot of people in the courthouse that didn't like the idea and just a few that did like it. I see the need for it. I don't know if that's necessarily the best place to put it. I think they should have taken a little more time and looked around the county to see if there was a place they could have had that didn't disturb so many people. So the, the this is a probably a philosophical thing that we probably want to learn about you and have share your philosophy on. You know, we we have a central uh, not a central plan, but a comprehensive plan that the county has paid for and is is in the process of adopting. It's gone through a steering committee and the planning commission, and that's in the commissioner's desk. Uh, and they continue to tweak it and make modifications. As a general rule, and we can get into wind later, but as far as land use and the maps that are in that comprehensive plan, is that do you agree with that direction, or are there changes you think that they should be making that are better uses of our area than than what they've got shown in there now? Well, first off, I would have never spent a hundred and ten thousand dollars of taxpayer money to have anyone make a plan, and the way it came about, they just put together groups of people had them explore different problems, and they sort of acted like the facilitator for it and then stuck it all together. We could have done that. The people on the, the little focus groups, they didn't get paid. I no, I was, why, I was on the focus group. I didn't get paid at all. I don't know why we needed a company that we had to pay $110,000 with to with all the other problems we have. There, there aren't very many companies I would pay that kind of money for their advice. Yeah. <laughs> and it seemed like it was changed for political reasons a few times. Uh, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> right. So Squeak, squeaky wheels definitely make make changes, right? Yeah. So I would I would I would be against I'm against most studies and things like that where you spend a lot of taxpayer money. We have enough problems. Uh, even the, you know, people always talk about the roads. I'm, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but we don't have $110,000 to waste, and I think that was a waste. So as a county commissioner, you are you have oversight over the county, county planning commission. You, you may be one of the members. The commissioners get one, one member there. 
Uh, right now, I think Eddie Aino serves in that role, and I, I think it, it may rotate year to year. Um, but if if something comes out of that group, it comes to the commissioners to be approved. What sort of decision making process will you have? You said you want to take time and listen to you know listen to input from the community. What you know, I guess. Do you anticipate stopping projects that come out of the planning commission and saying no? I want to. I want to reject that uh, as as a rule or to, well, as a protection measure for co- the community. What What it, do you see? It your depends role? on their logic and how well they thought it out before it got to the commissioners. But as a commissioner, if I, if I were lucky enough to get that job, I think I would take my time and be very careful. I would listen to all sides and. I don't have any trouble making decisions. I've made decisions all my life. Uh, I had lots of jobs where I had to make decisions, but I think sometimes we don't explore all the options. And I think I'm pretty good at coming up with options. Even for the jail, I think I could come up with a lot of different options that would put off buying a brand new jail right away uh, because we're still in debt for the uh, Justice Center. And it doesn't look like we're going to have the money for a new jail for a few years at least. Even if, but I know something has to be done, and we can't wait a few years. We've got to do something right. about the something jail has now. To be done now, right? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's lawsuits and, and things that have been filed against against the commissioners because of the the state of the jail. That's, yeah. I mean, I know that we already talked about that, but it is a big deal. It, I, we've talked about it a lot. That's on the very show. big. In fact. Even if I lose this race, I think I might get involved in trying to help with that problem because I was really uh, moved when I looked at that jail. I'd be ashamed to have to. I and I saw some people in there that I knew, kids that I had taught in school. Oh yeah, that's not and, easy at all. Yeah, that's and I did not like it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty rough actually. All right. <laughs> That was a heavy moment. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking about land use and the big, the big land, the, the thousand pound elephant or the 10,000 pound elephant in land, in land use has been industrial wind. Um, you have definitely been on the opposition side to, to having industrial wind, or at least you're interested in a different ordinance than what we have now. So I guess we'll give the floor to you and explain where you're at on that. If it's a total prohibition, if we need a different ordinance, or what your what your campaign's position is on on industrial wind. And I, I think there's at least two, maybe three projects that are potentially coming to Henry County. Right, and I am totally against all of them. Not so much because I'm totally against wind. I don't think it's very good. I think it's going to be obsolete before it does anyone any good. Uh, but this is a window of opportunity for these wind turbine companies because of the way the federal government is. There's a lot of money to be made quickly, and our county is just too densely populated to even consider this. And I think about half the county probably doesn't consider considered a very serious problem because if you live in Newcastle or Knightstown, it doesn't mean as much to you as the people who live out in the county. But to me, it's a simple decision to make. And I, I do not understand why it's taking so long. Uh, you know, when Butch was on here a couple of weeks ago, he said 
something to the effect that when it was over, and they're about to pass something, I think, here in the next month or two. They're, the commissioners are rewriting the WEX ordinance, the Wind right. Energy Conversion System Ordinance. And he said when that passed, whatever they decided to do with it, that the commissioners wouldn't be happy, the big farmers wouldn't be happy, the people protesting the turbines wouldn't be happy. And I remember, I was listening, and I said, what do you mean? Why would you pass something that makes no one happy? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's that's it wouldn't even work out that way. Somebody's going to be happy. Either people are going to be happy because no turbines are coming into this county, or the big farmers are going to be real happy because they are coming in. So do you think that they're dead now without uh, without abatements, or do you think that the wind companies could still come in even if, if no changes are made right now? Or do you think these projects are dead they and s- they have to do something to make them come back to life? Or what were They're not dead because they're signing leases as we speak, you know. There's only about 125 lease signers in the county, but they are still trying to recruit more. And of that 125, there's really only seven or eight pretty big farmers that are putting the most pressure on on this issue. But to me, it's almost a moral issue. It's it's a property issue. You libertarians ought to appreciate that, that, uh, you know, what— I've I've argued back and forth with people, but you you do not have a right to do anything you want with your property. We already have zoning laws. You have you want to build anything in this county, you have to bring it to the planning commission. You have to ask permission. If it's anything significant, you've got to ask your neighbor's permission. I don't understand how these five hundred foot towers can get in without asking anyone's permission. And they do affect other people's property. Yeah, the the property value issue is definitely is one of the the most concrete in my mind that arguments against wind energy that I've heard is that they they do there has been some research done that that shows that whenever wind farms go up, the property values of those in the immediate vicinity are uh, plummeting. So at that would be a big concern for me, but obviously I live in the middle of town, so it's it's not a concern for me right now. But it, it could end up affecting the entire county if other businesses and more taxpayers don't want to go in there. Researcher I go over there, Dakota. I think they're losing audio on the uh, on the live Uh-oh. feed. We've still got the podcast feed, so we'll keep going, but we'll let you reset the, the iRig and see what happens. Well, Everybody, the, everybody's freaking out well, online. They well, get angry. You have a lot of people listening and watching all at the same time. Let's start yeah. over. No, we'll keep going. We, we'll keep going. It's fine. There we go. So the uh, Amber says, just everything he said, if you missed everything we said, the uh, the replay <laughs> will be on on the podcast. So you can jump on there and you can get the podcast on yep. uh, bosshogliberty.com. Or the if, YouTube. Uh, if you missed it. Or, Dakota, on the, or on the YouTube. Dakota said he was for wind farms. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he convinced him right there in that moment. He convinced yeah. them to be pro-win. Well, well, it's funny because obviously that property value issue is important. I'm fortunate. I'm old enough. My house is paid for. If I lose money, I lose money. Oh, wait a but, minute. You're missing out on that $3,000 mortgage mortgage tax uh, credit. What, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would feel sorry for young people who have just built houses, have big mortgages, and they would be upside down in their house. And besides that, uh, 
just the intrusion on the quiet, peace and quiet. That's why people move to the country, so that they can have peace and quiet. All right, so... I've got a couple illustrations, just in... uh, Something sounds different here. We we doing good. No, we're, we're <laughs> <doing fine. laughs> okay, just a few weeks ago, I saw an article in a, I don't know if it's a magazine or some pamphlet or whatever, called the Fence Post. It was in Nebraska, and it was a county councilman who voted for wind farms in Nebraska, and his wife. They both supported it. Thought it was a great idea. Until they got him. After they put them in, they both complained about the red lights flashing at night and the noise they made. Now, I am hard of hearing, so I don't hear much noise. I've been out in Randolph County, listened. I don't hear a lot, but a lot of people do. The problem with this one is they were a mile and a half away from the closest turbine in Nebraska, and they were bothered by the lights and the noise, and they were very sorry that they got them put in. So you said a mile and a half. We'll, we'll, we'll leave this topic at that one, I guess. Is there a setback you know, in the county, or is it just a prohibition? The WEX ordinance should be there. There will be no industrial wind turbines built in the county. There's no setback number. It's just well, the if you wind go to it's no. The wind companies themselves have the setbacks, I think, from 1,600 to nine. As a danger area, mm-hmm. two thousand feet. What was it before? Before this was done, what was the number? Was it, it, before this adjustment was being made, was it a thousand or fifteen hundred for Henry County? Right now, it's fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred from, from your house, foundation of your house, and much closer than that from your property line. Oh. But uh, people tell me all the time that. Oh, they've got them all over Europe. They're not having a problem with them, but they are having a problem with them. In fact, uh, Germany and Poland have just changed their setbacks, and they've had them for years and years and years, and they changed it to 2,000 meters, which so is over, 6, feet. over yeah. a mile. And they did that because they learned something. They don't want these things that close to people, and that's the problem in, in our county. They don't belong 1,500 feet. Do you think that uh, do you think that as this technology evolves, um, it, it could end up uh, it could end up changing the the setback? So say that you know we don't have that we don't subsidize these and and manufacturers actually have to uh, really evolve their product more before uh, people will get interested. I don't do think you, they'll ever build them if they're not subsidized. Yeah, they're just not worth it. And that's that's kind of the position I've taken because I'm, I'm a candidate as well. I'm running for Henry County Council in, this, in the first district race, which is half of Henry Township. And I've said I wouldn't vote for an, an abatement. And based on that, I don't know that they would happen because they, they require a county tax abatement. Uh, and I, I've counted the votes on the council now and the people that are running. I don't see the votes being there to give an abatement. So I I feel like everybody's really upset over this issue, but I'm not sure the votes are there to make it happen to actually go forward anyway. I hope there's enough votes to stop the abatement, but I have heard some people say they don't need the abatement, that they could put them in without the abatement because the money they get from the federal government is enough that it would still be profitable. 
I don't. I don't know if that's true or not. You but. had uh, Jonathan Lamb on on Monday. Did you at your event? Did you talk to him about wind at all? Did you hear? Did you talk about federal federal subsidies and energy? Not with not with Lamb. I did talk to Rokita about that, and he didn't seem to know much about it. He didn't think it was a very big issue, but I assured him that there were thousands of voters out here that do care about the issue. Interesting. So there, there's not an anti-wind candidate on the federal level of the three Republicans running for Senate that you're aware of? I don't think so. Okay. Not not who I've heard speak out about it. Interesting. Uh, when I look at this county, though, when uh, Susan Yoon ran last election, 7,000 votes, and you should be able to appreciate this as a libertarian because she ran as an independent. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not easy. Get- split. You have to. You're you're going against the headwinds of automatic Democrat and automatic Republican vote vote getters. And I had a councilman. Actually, I won't mention names. Oh come on, it's, we're all friends here. <laughs> he he told me that Susan Yoon got the boost because of the big Republican turnout, and she ran it. I said, no way. You know, it was Ed Yanos that got the boost. Not. I don't know how you could even logically say that she got a boost. Susan had an impressive, very impressive number for an well, independent. She, she, was, she won. She, she won a, a precinct or won uh, won a township. I think she won Denley Township. So. I looked very back strong showing. twenty years, and I saw for independents or third party candidates votes like fifty seven, two hundred and thirty, three hundred and ten, nowhere near. No, yeah. no one ever got a thousand. Oh she yeah, she seven, did a great job. Seven thousand. She really did. Her and David both. All right, so let's uh, let's let's pivot a little bit. We're talking about local government in general and transparency, and we've you know we've talked on this show about you know being able to hear meetings and see what's going on in meetings and, and being able to get to meetings, council meetings at three o'clock during the workday. What uh, what steps would you take, or do you think we need to take steps f- towards transparency in, in county government, and public meetings? Well, first of all, for people like me and a lot of other people. You go to a public meeting, you should be able to hear what's being said. You know, the sound system is horrible. Yeah. You can't hear what the people are saying. Uh, I can't imagine. You could have easily taken that 110000 we spent on a study and for a whole lot less than that, got some decent microphones and a sound system so people could understand what's going on. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things in there that need done for audiovisual equipment as well um just the sound the echo in there i mean it's a literal echo chamber in inside that old courthouse and uh, we're gonna have to go to go in with all these sound tiles we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna fix that place up <laughs> hey i offered my this services is a first to... class outfit here <laughs> i bad for a spare that. bedroom in newcastle indiana huh <laughs> you could have could you you could jam them all in here, maybe. We could have yeah. the whole council in here. We'd have to have a couple more cameras. But, uh, yeah, we could have the whole county council. All the commissioners, they could have their meetings and in here if they wanted to. And people could just watch them on the podcast. That's they'd, right. That's, they'd learn yeah. a lot more That's than, a great they're, idea. than they're learning in the Instead of me in going the to them, they need to come to me. We'll rent it out I to agree. them. <clears throat> I, I agree, though. With the $110,000 that we spent on that, I, I definitely would have put up some sound tiles for one hundred ten grand. I mean, I would have done that for... For days. Well, the honest thing. <laughs> while we're talking about money, just in the short time I've been looking into things, there's, a, there's a, I think, a lot of money wasted in the county. The problem you get into is a lot of these, the state government has set up county government in a way that we have, we have lanes we have to run in, right? So you can only spend certain dollars on certain things, and you can't decide to take something out of bucket A and put it into bucket B. 
So the money, a portion of the money that the largest portion that paid for that $110,000 comprehensive plan came from food and beverage money because the comprehensive plan is used for, you know, economic development, stimulus, tourism, and that kind of falls in that bucket. We can't take that money and say, okay, we're going to build a jail or we're going to put that on roads or we're going to put it on, um, you know, AV equipment in the commissioner's meeting room. Uh, it could have gone to Memorial Park. It could have gone to different places. But if we're going to have that food and beverage tax, the state legislature says we can only spend it on certain things. That's the trick of it all. And why, one of the reasons I'm so frustrated with government in general is because you've got, you know, you're trying to operate a government. Your hands are tied behind your back. I and you've got also, certain lanes you can get into. If you look at the fire department, the fire building they want to build in Bluntsville. Yes. And I'm all for those people having a new fire station. They need it. So they raised, uh, or they, they applied for a federal grant, and it's like a blessing and a curse. They got a grant for probably 90% of the money they need, but then they come to the county and said, hey, you've got about three weeks to give me $50,000 or we lose a half million dollars in construction in the county. Guns to your head, Ed. What are you going to do? What I, I hate to say it, but I looked at the building that they're going to get for 500000 They got $500,000 grant. They need another 57000 When I saw that drawing, I couldn't believe it. It was a pole barn with four garage doors. I took it over to De Brule. I bought a copy of the blueprint on 38. I said, have you guys seen this building? Because they build those types of buildings. Sure. No, they didn't get the bid on it. They didn't hear about it. A company in Pendleton got the bid called Fredericks. I said, ballpark me a figure on this building. It's 40, 50 by 60, I believe. All metal building, metal roof. He said $45,000. Now, obviously, you have to pair, pour an 8-inch concrete pad. It had a little office in the back, two bathrooms. I don't know if it was insulated or not. There's a spec book about this thick. From the grant people, it's what you have to because meet. because as, as a federal grant, all of a right. sudden you have to comply with all the federal government responsibilities. But, but essentially, what you're getting is maybe a hundred and fifty thousand dollar building for five hundred thousand, and that's not enough. You got to go to the county and ask for more money. Something's wrong there. <laughs> so where did that one land? That one, I guess, the council at their next meeting has to deal with that that issue. They're going to decide at the next meeting whether they're going to give them the money or not. Uh, I was at the uh, town board meeting at Sulphur Springs last night or the night before, Tuesday night, I think. I asked them, they have a very nice fire station. I asked, how much did your fire station cost? They said, well, we got a lot of help, uh, volunteer help, whatnot. But altogether, it cost $60,000. It's very nice. It's brick. It's So a half a million dollars ought to build a fire station. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what happens when you get federal dollars involved in something, isn't it? Well, I used to work for the federal government. I saw a lot of waste. I could tell stories about waste, but so, so you're advocating not, for the council to say no. Let's reposition and let's make a different decision. Well, if if one town can build a perfectly good firehouse for sixty thousand, it would be a shame to lose a grant for half a million. But on the other hand. I don't like to see even the federal government spending half a million dollars on something that's worth one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, the uh, 
and th- this money is not it's not general fund money that they're talking about. This is the uh, the the one percent uh, public safety, the local option income tax. That's where this this bucket would come from. I'm not sure where it comes from. I was just upset that yeah. they had to ask for it. Right. Oh, I understand. I understand. Um, all right. So the uh, I guess the next major issue we have to chat about was the was roads. County commissioner, all of a sudden you get you get to go to road school. They send you to Purdue University, and you're responsible for ditches and drainage and 800 miles of county road. So I'm going to be the first guy in line at Ed Tarantino's office saying, Jeffrey Street's a mess and I need paved. What, <laughs> how are you going to say, Jeremiah, get in line? Well, I tried to go to that road school as a candidate. I couldn't get in, I guess. But uh, So I don't know a whole lot about roads except that we have 800 miles of roads, probably on a 100, 200-mile budget. So no matter who's commissioner, there's going to be road problems. There's going to be a lot of potholes. I would just say that I would certainly look at dangerous conditions first, uh, and I'm sure they do to a certain extent. I'm not an expert on roads. Uh, They told me they did 50 miles of road last year, and they had a million-dollar grant from the uh, state. Even at that rate, if you just do 50 miles, it would take you 16 years to pave the roads in the county. It doesn't buy any bridges either. The roads (laughs) don't last 16 years. They last three or four years, and they need repair. So you're you're in a catch-up mode all the time. It's a snake eating its tail at at this point. Yeah. Either we have to find ways to get more money, some innovative ways, find better ways. I've... I've heard some other counties have pretty good ways. I I haven't gotten a chance yet. I have talked to uh, the people in our county about the roads. I can't promise to fix all the potholes, but I will look for dangerous areas. I know I I don't know what's going on here with this, but I heard we're going to get another six hundred some odd thousand from the state, and most of it's going for signs. Yeah, I believe that it actually has to go to signs though. We don't we don't really just allocate those funds to the signs. Well, we, we don't it's another gonna, one of those things where we don't have, have a some choice. Awful nice signs and some <laughs> really bad roads. Yeah. Maybe the sign should point to the roads and say yeah. danger the, area. Yeah, the sign should say uh large bumps ahead or Potholes ahead. Pretty, pretty signs. I'm a sign guy. I, yeah, I, I appreciate six hundred thousand dollars worth of signs and terrible roads. But so, do you think you know is is chip and seal the solution, or gravel roads, or or asphalt, or redoing redoing the crowns on the roads, or well, all pe- of the above? People wouldn't like to go back to gravel roads. Uh, I lived on a gravel road here for many, many years. A lot of dust bothered my wife more than it bothered me but uh yeah, i can't really keep your vehicle clean on a gravel road yeah i hardly ever wash my vehicle <laughs> my wife wash, she, she washes hers though and we have a gravel drive she makes me she hardly ever lets me drive her car but, uh, wait let's 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 learn something about you here what do you drive and what's the wife drive let's 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 figure this out what, well, are, you, what are you not allowed to drive what do I drive right now? I have one of the nicest cars I've had in my whole life. It's because it's my wife's old car. <laughs> <laughs> she has a Subaru. Oh, uh, nice. Indiana made, probably, huh? I don't know. Lafayette. Yeah. So, uh, 
and she likes that, doesn't like me to drive much. I say, I'm the man. I'm supposed to drive. She says, not this, not this vehicle. <laughs> but uh, I drive a 2010 Hyundai. Really? But nice. I do like it. Because now, wait, this is a Chrysler town. You're driving around in an import? That's dangerous. I know. But, and uh, all her family work for Chrysler, too. <laughs> and, and what's your uh, dream car? If you could have any car, what would it be? I don't really care much about cars. Don't care. The favorite car I'd, I've ever had, I did buy, what year was that? I think it was a 78 Lincoln. Nice. Town car. That's the that's the kind of song Jim Varney sang about, Hot Rod I, Lincoln. I, I bought it yeah. only about 1985. I loved the car. Gas wasn't too expensive. It was a great car to take a long drive in. It had leather seats. It had power, everything. What I really liked is it had high beams that turned itself on and off, turned themselves on and off. Automatically. Yeah. Cars come and they did it. Because I'll put my high beams on driving out in the country, and then I forget to turn them off. It's a good way to end up in that county jail. You're going. <laughs> it's bad, bad. But that Lincoln, it was a great car. People borrowed it to take it on vacation. But other than that, I have no dream car. I could see you rolling up in like a, a Viper. Maybe uh, a, I was a Dodge thinking, Viper. I think he he's more of a Lamborghini guy. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the uh, the last issue we've we've been talking about on this show, uh, and you have a big oversight responsibility if you're if you're a park. Uh, if you are a county commissioner, is Memorial Park. Um, there's a number of different projects and plans and things that are going on out there. Uh, last night, I understand that they the commissioners voted to make it a national historic site. Um, there's a statue that's a part of the Big Hope Initiative program that's out there and the, the project that started last June. Um, the Doughboy statue has been something that's been hotly debated over the last few months and refurbishment and relocation of it. Um, there's the interface with the Henry County Saddle Club. I guess we'll start with, do you do you want us to have a county park? Is that something that you think we should have? Should the county be funding it? Because we're looking at some big financial shortcomings for the park. And, you know, if you look at the Umbaugh report, we've got long-term financial issues for the park. Should we have it? Should we be, you know, should the Smith Building continue? Should this Doughboy thing be a deal? Where what What's your view on the park? Is it, you know, start there and we'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation. Well, we already have the park. And it has a lot of memorials there. I think we have to keep the park. Okay. It's a great place to go. I've walked through it many times. Uh, yeah, I certainly think we should keep the park. I don't think the park has to necessarily be a real expensive thing to keep. Uh, I'm not sure the numbers on how much money it costs to keep that park open, but... Yeah, I'd be in favor of keeping it. Sure. Uh, well, it, as a, I, I was a member of the park board for a couple of years. Uh, the park board budgets between mm, a quarter and a half million dollars a year. Uh, an awful lot of that goes to salary, and about a hundred thousand dollars actually operates the maintenance and utilities of the of the structures and the buildings that are out there. Uh, I talked about this with Betsy last week. The budget for the park is roughly the same now as it was in 1992. So you don't see a lot of changes or additional additional revenue coming out there. Um, so because of that, we you know we saw the park needed a roof for uh, for the shelter house. They paid for that by selling some timber out of there, trying to help the, have the park pay for itself. That was somewhat controversial. Um, and from that, we wound up with the Friends of Memorial Park, which is is a private five hundred one c three that's helping to pay for some of the offsetting costs, some of the costs that are out there. Um, 
the Friends of Memorial Park has been involved with this Doughboy relocation. Um, if you are the county commissioner, you have, I guess, we heard Butch say last time that the commissioners could get involved if they wanted to uh, with this Doughboy thing. If it's still not resolved by the time you're there, do you have an opinion? Would you leave it as it is or let the park board decide what they decide? I really hope it's resolved before I get there. If I do get there, uh, I have talked to both sides, several people on both sides, and I've told them all that I am going to stay neutral on it because I feel like the wind issue is the biggest issue in the county. I'm glad that uh, Steve Peckinpah raised some money, got it fixed up. I can see the side of people say they want to keep it where it originally was, and I see the other side too. So I want to stay neutral on that. I don't want to say either way. Uh, I'm just one person right now. I hope it's resolved before I get in. I could make a decision on it if I had to, uh, but I, right now I am neutral. Okay. I'm not even hedging. I am neutral. I've talked to veterans on both sides of it. Well, that's an important distinction is that there are liter- there are veterans yeah. that feel very passionately on both sides of both sides of the issue. And I think there's a number of people that just, you know, it's they're they're neutral just like you are. They don't have they don't strongly feel either way. Um so that's a And I a, just I'm in a controversial issue already. I don't want to be in <laughs> one I don't is enough. Be in two. <laughs> All right. So the, let's talk uh for a minute about appointments because you as a commissioner, you would have appointments to the park board, to the planning commission to others what what sort of um matrix or uh template do you have when you're going out finding somebody to appoint do you how would you handle appointments what are you looking for in an appointee well you just interview people like i said before about the sheriff i think he's passionate about what he does i would look for people who are that have the right motives taking on responsibility like that and sometimes it's hard to read people's motives but i think if you ask enough questions and you hear their responses but i'd be looking for people who are civic-minded a lot of times when you see these boards you almost see automatic reappointments to people should should people that are serving on boards now feel like yeah it's just gonna be an automatic reappointment or are you gonna have a should they be expecting changes if you if you have a say on some of these boards i I like innovators like when even to talk about memorial park uh, there are ways, there are lots of people in the county that enjoy the park. And there are ways the park could raise more money to take care of itself. And innovative people figure out innovative ways to make money. Very good. If you want the park, somebody has to pay yeah, for it. You have to pay for it. Yep. Very fair point. Put in a quarter, see a duck. That's the, uh, the first recreation <laughs> model, right? Yeah, we should have some little duck feeders out there. Maybe some turkey feeders eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cemetery man, I mean, can, can monetize Eric the turkey all they want to. I think they'd be some. They've got some options. That's right. It's Eric the turkey. Eric. I the thought turkey. it was Freebird. No. Well, it's on the Facebook. It's been claiming that its name is Eric. Yep. All right. So we're getting to that part in the show where we probably have to do final thoughts. Yep. Unfortunately, we're winding down. Ed, if people want to volunteer for your campaign, help you out, send more money, what? Uh, how do they help you out? I, I imagine you're still walking or have, have teams of people going out door-to-door in the county. You've got 50,000 people to reach between now and May Yeah, it's 6th, hard to reach them. Or May 8th. I, I try to reach them on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page that's 
And sometimes people get confused with my Facebook page and uh, my campaign Facebook page. The one with the flag picture is my campaign Facebook page. Uh, I'd like people to try to find that. And we've got it tagged. If you're watching here, you can you can click on Ed's deal so you can find his, his stuff is linked there. I'm going to be writing several more things next few weeks. Uh, I get out. I knock on doors. I meet people. I meet dogs. I meet... All we, sorts of. We talked about that Monday. That's the thing that anybody that's run for office, you, you immediately look at each other and go, "I've seen some mean dogs." Yeah, yeah, the dogs. But I'm having pretty good success. When I get to talk to people, I get a, I get a lot of my signs put out, so I'm happy cool. about that. Very neat. I've seen a lot of your signs coming home from work every day. That's I, good. I go down two thirty four. I see them all the time. I like them. Yeah, they're all over the place. All right, if they, they want to, if everywhere. they want to send some checks in for uh, for the Tarantino campaign, how's that work? If, are are you still taking money, or you're full up? Well, we probably need some for newspaper advertising. That'll be probably big in the next few weeks. So, if anybody did want to send anything in, uh, our treasurer's at uh, Dickerson Accounting on Seventeenth Street. And they can drop it off there, or they can give it to myself or anyone, one of my 14 cam- campaign managers. <laughs> how, how in the world did you get yourself 14 campaign managers? How did this happen? Well, they they told me to get a campaign manager. And I, as being a school teacher, a lot of my friends are liberal Democrats. And the Republicans aren't crazy about having a liberal Democrat as a campaign manager. I did ask one, I was, but they they also work all day, so I try to do a lot of things myself, and a lot of the people that are helping me, they work all day, so I don't like to put too much on them. A lot of people help me paint those signs you see all over the county. They gave up like five Saturdays in a row to paint signs. I, I did see the pictures of you had a ton of people working at one time to get all the signs painted. Yeah. Where'd, you just really, where'd you paint all those? We painted them at the Artistry Annex. Gotcha. There you go. Well, very cool. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this and uh, had a good time. If uh, if anybody missed out on some of the audio that was here, once again, the the MP3 podcast you can get on iTunes. That'll be uh, that'll be easy to easy to go back and catch mm-hmm. anything if we lost any of it. Uh, Chase, you got any final thoughts for us? I know yeah. you didn't really have a chance to to, to prepare anything. No, but I, I've been thinking. Okay. All right. I, Okay, if you were listening last week, you heard me give a couple options of what I'm going to do when we move to Doughboy. Oh boy. Okay. Uh-oh. Here we go. Again. Our, our two most Chase isn't neutral, Ed. He's got he's he's pro move. Our our two most popular options were Axel Rose and Reggie Miller. Okay. Yep. I like Not both of those. Reggie Miller. Yes, Reggie Miller, basketball player Indiana Pacers, all-time Even great. Even I know who Reggie Miller is. Pretty cool. Funky teeth. <laughs> that Anyways, to I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to add a new option. Is it, what's the turkey's name? Eric. Eric. Eric the turkey. Eric Freebird the turkey. We could we could get a statue of him, or we could even put him in a little cage and make it into like a petting zoo. You're going to put him in the new location or the old location? Old location. That way people actually know where it's at, because most people don't. That turkey wants to be free. Yeah, that's Freebird. Well, we can lock make, him up. Well, we can make a big, a big bird pen. I'm just saying, <laughs> tons of people will be at the park that way. 
Like eight hundred and something. How many? How many likes does he have on Facebook? Uh, I heard it's over eight hundred likes. Yeah, it's over, over eight hundred. Like eight hundred and five. I think. I'm just saying, you could put a concession stand right next to it. I think it'd be a great idea. I think it'd bring the, the park a lot, a lot of money. So, and then other than that, um, I don't have any new updates about the headless chicken. He, I think he's still alive, so that's good news. Thank he's you going for, for the record. Updating right, us on the poultry. Go, yeah. All right, that's it. All right. <laughs> All right, so uh, for my final thoughts, I just want to say thank you to all the Patreon subscribers again. <laughs> Audrey and I put out our last tinfoil time on Tuesday, and we talked about uh, Queen Elizabeth II and whether or not she kidnaps children and is a cannibal. And you can hear that if you uh, donate to the Patreon feed. And uh, I think that next week is actually going to be about Melania Trump and uh, her having a doppelganger that that follows Trump around if she doesn't feel like hanging out with him. So that that's the that's next week's conspiracy theory. Uh, we're I really gonna... don't understand this extra show you guys are throwing here, <laughs> but apparently people like it. So Queen Elizabeth wasn't a cannibal. Well, I mean that's some people actually believe that. Oh. But we did we we set out and did all the research why people believe that and tried to prove them wrong. And uh, and you guys determined that she's not a cannibal. She's yes, just yes. A, she's just an old lady. Don't ruin it for them, Jared. They need oh, to find I, out. Pay the money. <laughs> I actually listened to it. <laughs> So, uh, she would have died of some weird brain disease, is what you guys did have. Decided. I was, I keep trying to to like skew the votes for what I want. I want to do the show on. It never works out. People want to hear about Melania Trump for some reason. Um, you can follow me on uh, on Facebook and uh, follow me on Twitter at Atokadsvod. It's Dakota Davis spelled backwards. And uh, get on that Patreon. Very good. All right, well, I'm fighting a little cold here, so I'm not going to keep anybody longer than we have to. Uh, I've got my deep radio voice. Deep, I was going to say, sexy you radio look voice today. Thank you, Chase. <laughs> I'm barely alive. Um, all right, so next week, Wednesday, we're not doing a show Thursday. It's Wednesday. We'll have Ken and Gray on. Uh, he's running for county council, District 1 in the Republican primary. That's a familiar race because that's the same race I'm running for. We both are applying for the Jared, same when job. Are you, when are you coming on the show? We're, I don't know. I can't get scheduled. All these people are booked uh-huh. on here. Can lose. I sit over there? You want to sit and here? interview me? Can you work all these <laughs> all these controls? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. I can teach him. Yeah. So uh, Kenan's coming on. He's got an event. He was a very nice sport. I uh, We had him scheduled for Thursday of next week, and I felt terribly. Two weeks ago, or last week, I guess it was, two weeks before the showtime, I get a letter in the mail from the Oaks Club and said, hey, we're going to have your, your, uh, your indoctrination ceremony. Uh, please bring us a check, and you get to join. Uh, and it was the same day we were booked. So he agreed to move to Wednesday. He is having an event at uh, Cafe Royal, uh, another meet and greet. So I think from 5 to 7 on Wednesday, you can go down, catch him, meet him in person, then get back home and uh, and watch us on the show. So you can go meet him in person. Uh, but he's uh, he was nice enough to uh, to adjust the day he was coming on. He's still going to have that. But the show is going to be a little later. We're going to do about 7.30, 7.45, somewhere in that range next week. So yep. appreciate everybody listening and watching. Uh, once again, shout out to that Patreon group. Thank you guys very much. Uh, very humbling uh, to have you helping us out and supporting. Uh, we've come a long way. We've got uh, we've got our our Sure device that we uh, we used our first month proceeds to pay for that. Uh, so we will have remote guests. Uh, Dakota and I messed around with that a little bit. Found out we need a couple more cables, so we're going to go back to the well <laughs> and buy some more junk. We're going to get that working, and before too long, we'll have some. Uh, we'll have we're going to do some fun stuff. We're planning an election night special where we're going to send somebody down to the. Uh, down to the Republican or the Democrat headquarters, maybe Chase, and get some interviews. Yep, I think it's and then we're going to do an election night show. So somebody's going to be down there with a phone. We're going to talk to people. So we're going to talk to Ed. We're going to talk to Butch. Try to try to catch him on election night and see who can get on the show and have a have a fun live program. So that's our goal. That's our first month's Patreon stuff. 
if we get to that 500 a month, we are looking at possibly getting some space to get a permanent studio. Uh, so we would move out of this and move into something a little bit more permanent. But uh, we got to get uh, got to get the financial stability. So that's what the Patreon thing is all about. Uh, but until then, uh, we're going to keep saving the money. Uh, and we've talked about we've had a lot of people talk about wanting to do remotes and be able to work remotely. Uh, there's a couple other equipment items that we can pick up that uh, that'll let that happen. So two or three months down the road, we might have uh, an additional recorder that uh, that lets us do a mobile studio. So I, we've got some options. I have a quick idea. Yes, sir. You know how they they have that sad. Uh, dog commercial in the arms of the angels. Yes, the ASPA. Yes. I think we should make a commercial of us crying, and one of us can sing. (laughs) That way it convinces people to donate. I don't want this to sound like church where we're just banging on people. I I, I just want people, if you can give five bucks, ten bucks, help us out, kick it in. Uh, That's what keeps us going. We're not, uh, every nickel we're getting out of this is going right back into the paycheck. Yeah, it's a tie. 10%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.